0: Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and, Michael Waits. and Michael, Waits. Michael Waits. Tuesday evening, Graham Brown and Michael Waits on Asia Tech Podcast. Michael, how are you doing?
1: I am super. How are you? How was your day?
0: Yeah, very good. Very good. And my voice is holding up. Your voice sounding Much okay? Much better than last week. Much better than <laughs> last
1: week. For some reason, I don't know why. I got on the phone and just started coughing and choking. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. Exactly. Um, We've been busy we doing li- interviews. Are we- yeah. Are we live now? We are live. I love being live. And we're on what Periscope, right? We're on
0: Periscope, we're on Twitter.
1: It just doesn't get any better than that.
0: It is. The technology is there.
1: It's just insane. Like so if anybody has any questions, they just what post it to ATP Tech Pod?
0: Asia Tech Pod. They can hit us up. Yeah. They can hit us up. Asia Tech Pod will pick up anything, any questions they have about the podcast. Obviously during the podcast would be best, but afterwards if they pick it up on the archive, we'll also pick up those questions. So tonight we're talking about podcasting. So it's a little to-
1: meta inside a meta. It is.
0: Right? Yeah. Why are we talking about it?
1: I'm talking about it because I feel like we've hit a little bit of an inflection point for growth. And I think it's interesting to talk about why that growth happens, how that growth happens, and just like all the experimentation around what works, what doesn't work, what we've learned so far, and maybe what we've learned from other people as well, right? Which I think is super important at this stage, no? Exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, we want to talk about what we're doing with Asia Tech Podcast, why we're doing it, what we've learned, and also, you know, what our plans are for the future. But I think before we do that, it's kind of important for us to pay a bit of homage, a bit of respect to the people that have blazed the trail before us so that there are podcasts out there in Asia, especially in the tech space, which we've got to pay a bit of uh, respect to. And I think we shout those out first because all of these guys we're going to mention now are, are coming on our show, which I think is fantastic. I mean, that just shows the sort of attitude... In this space, that there's a big cake that everybody can take a share of, right? Rather than, you know, it's sort of a win-lose proposition. Everybody help each other out. So we have, just listing here, there's five hosts who are coming on Asia Tech Podcast over the next couple of weeks. We've got Matt Brennan from China Tech Talk. He's going to talk about WeChat and social media in China, everything we need Super. to know. I mean, that's such a hot topic altogether. I mean, that's not just one podcast. Is That's a regular series of podcasts. Bernard Leong, Analyze Asia. You're going to be on his show as well, Michael, I believe, right? I am.
1: I am. I'm looking forward to it, actually, quite a bit.
0: Excellent. Jay Kim from the Jay Kim Show will be on our shows shortly. Uh, Mike from Global from Asia, just more focused on the e-commerce side of things. And what? Tim Romero here in Japan, Disrupt Japan,
1: all going to be on Asia Tech Podcast. Wow. And these guys have been at it for a while, right?
0: Yeah, some of them are more recent, but I think all of them have been at it longer than us. So, you know, within we've been at it for six months, right? So I think it's great. You know, there's a a growing audience of podcast listeners out there in Asia. And, you know, there's so many different angles to cover. A lot of these are very specific on specific regions or specific, you know, whether they're talking about e-commerce or China specifically. Or Japan. Exactly.
1: Look, it seems to me that, you know, like you said earlier, there is a pie out there, but the pie is not fixed, right? So if you enter other industries, you're really talking about, there's sort of a fixed amount of exposure and pie you can get, and then you have to take it away from somebody else. You have to take market share. We used to do this in my old business, right? What market share are we taking away from somebody else to benefit our business? And in this case, I think just the fact that everybody is coming on our shows and that we're, invited, that we're being invited to go yeah. on their shows, right? Like you said, I'm going to be on Bernard's show, which I'm really looking forward to. It just means that it's not, there's not really competition per se. It's Mm. just that there's enough out there for everybody to participate in, and it's more helping other people grow their business in the same way that we're trying to grow this platform. And the question for for me, one of the questions I'd love to ask the rest of these um, podcasters, and we can ask ourselves, is what's the point, right? Mm. What are we What are we trying to accomplish? What's the purpose for building this platform, right? And I have my own ideas. I'd love to hear, like, just you, just say what you're thinking and then I'll say what I'm thinking too. And, and it's like I actually had someone thank me twice today, right? I did a bunch of interviews today and had two people thank me and say, I really want to thank you for giving me, allowing me to participate on this platform. Mm. Because it gives that, that's part of what the story is. Anyway, I'm, I'm curious for you, for your feedback on that.
0: Yeah, and you know, before I answer the question, that whole thing about the platform as well, this is audio. It seems to be slightly... You know, contradicting where we're going with the whole media landscape. You know, this is audio. It's radio effectively, isn't it, for the internet age? It is. How how is that still surviving? Why are people paying attention to radio and stories and people talking and audio in a world where it seems that, you know, the listeners or the viewers' attention span is eight seconds? You know, we live in a world of clickbait headlines, BuzzFeed But, you know, we're pushing out hour-long interviews, really in-depth interviews with people. Sure. So, I mean, that really has to answer the why question, isn't it? I mean, you say, why are people doing this? There has to be something that all of that very much, you know, that superficial media landscape is not catering for. People really want to get in deep, in-depth into stories and find out more about people. That's what I believe. I believe it's storytelling.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think there's a fatigue. I think there's link bait fatigue I think there's eight second update fatigue I think people really want to in the same way people still enjoy curling up and reading a book they like to they like to listen to a discussion I don't think people like to be yelled at on the internet any more than they like to be yelled at in person and I think what most people really want to do is they use podcasting as a way to escape a little bit into a topic that really um interests them Mm. right and people always say okay are you gonna and I heard people talking about this today are you going to pivot to video?: Wow. And well, it's, it, we will do video, and I think video is an important um, part of what we will do going forward. but you cannot, you cannot watch video when you're driving. Mm. OK? And you can't watch video when you're lying in bed next to your partner, because that video flickers and it may keep somebody awake, but what you can do is listening to headphone audio. And in the same way that television did not kill radio um because people couldn't watch television when they were driving their car to work or sitting on the bus or sitting on a train and i don't think necessarily that video on the internet will kid will kill audio podcasting i think there's a place no. for both things but the point is what's the reason to tell those what's the reason to tell those stories well here's the reason and i think jeffrey Handly, I spoke to Jeffrey today, and you'll hear his interview later on ATP Stories. But I, one of the things that you know, Jeffrey said was really good is <clears throat> a lot we take for granted because we exist in a certain ecosystem that the entire world knows what we know or at least has a similar perspective. The reality is that what we want to do with this podcast is give exposure to people and to topics that may not – because, again, they're really busy. They may not have the exposure that they want or need to tell their story And whether that story requires them to get investment money or just get mentors from the right place or literally just tell people what their story is over a period of time, this is a platform that gives them the opportunity to do that and they may not have that opportunity otherwise. And for me, that's one of the biggest reasons to build this platform. I mean, obviously, we want to build a business that's big and vibrant because the bigger it is and the more vibrant it is, the more effective that storytelling will be. But at its core, for me, it's really got to be a way to – tell the stories of people you know inside an ecosystem and for us that ecosystem is asia mm.
0: yeah and audio as the choice format for that is interesting isn't it i know you talk about that whole pivot to video thing how important audio is because now that we're talking we're just focusing on the voice right right and and if you have video you can easily i mean you can easily dress that up you can put all the effects and the you know the bottom thirds and all that kind of stuff in and you can easily detract away from the story but if you're talking there's not a lot you can do to dress that up it's it's raw and i think that's the the appeal you said that tv didn't kill off radio maybe that is why because it has that ability to tell a story which is maybe unadulterated it's unedited it's raw and that's what it people is. are really seeking. Something, I suppose, authentic is the word I'm looking for here, that people are looking for in a world which is easy to
1: dress up and easy to fake. Sure. Look, I can do all the CGI you want in video, and I can give you a completely immersive experience in VR or AR or MR, right? the mixed reality. But what I can't do is I cannot allow your imagination to run wild. And I think what you do, if you have powerful enough audio, the conversations themselves are compelling enough. I think growing a podcast network is really about giving people enough information so that their that their own imagination is still powerful enough to let mm-hmm. them presume and sort of fill in the gaps for what you're talking about, right? And that whole concept of allowing people's imaginations to run wild is only really possible with an audio-only podcast. Now, like I said, we will do video in the case where we want people to see what other people look like or look at a demonstration or yeah. understand a deeper context. But the reality is, like, like, again, I had an amazing conversation or a few of them today with people, and the fact that it was audio-only al- forced me and in a way allowed me to think through with my own imagination, where were they? Mm. Okay, so I don't get to see. Right in my mind, you know, I was talking to somebody who sits in an accelerator, well, were all of those sort of portfolio companies around them, when they mentioned a portfolio company that did the AR stuff or that did the V, I was picturing what that would look like. Right. And for me, that part of the storytelling is really powerful. And, right, and I think it's endemic. I think it's inside all humans, right, that power of the imagination. And I think when you remove it a little bit, you remove you know that power inside the brain to remember things as well. I think you know, the conversation that you hear is way more powerful, particularly at this level than having somebody feed in their imagination of what a scenario is supposed right. to look like. Right? So for me that's that's part of why we're doing this type of stuff with audio. Because what are we going to do? You and I could be sitting at a desk with three cameras and have a conversation. But it's really just people looking at you and me. Hmm. But I don't want to be the focus of the conversation, as ridiculously handsome as I am, which is sarcasm by the way. But um, we'll see know, we'll see when sure. we actually got a video.
0: <laughs> exactly. Let the viewers decide
1: the crowd will not be cheering. Let's just say that. But the point is that people are focused more on the conversation. What are they talking about? Why are they talking about that? What do I understand about what they're saying? I think that's the best way to build a following because people will understand the conversation itself is really compelling because the voice in which it's given ends up being compelling, right? And I think, you know, you and I may have been talking about this online or offline, right? But I'm sure you've heard as we started and sort of get deep into this concept of ATP stories, I'm sure you've heard people say to you, well, that's the best interview I've done in a while. And the reason why is because you're really good at listening and then finding that hook, finding that nugget inside the conversation and then focusing on that. And that's a really an important way to not just build the business, but build the rapport. Yeah. Right? And building that rapport is really key to building the following, I think. No?
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about some of those conversations that we've had with ATP Stories because what are we now? We're we're about a month into ATP Stories and we've done, I think looking at the stats, we've recorded 35 interviews. We've been pretty hammer and tong at it for the last couple of weeks. We've only Mm. actually published 10 yet. But it's been fascinating some of the things that we have learned In that period, we've seen a really diverse range of or listened to a diverse range of stories. You know, we've had everybody from, you know, the big corporates. We've had Coca-Cola on the show. We've had ex-ambassadors to, you know, Southeast Asia on the show. We've had all the way down to single-man startups. So it's been really interesting. What kind of things have we learned? Can we share some of the gems, some of the nuggets from those stories that really stood out for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to have what I, you know, what I call a sort of the um, the flaw of proximity or closeness, right? But you know, today was amazing, and I say this to you, you know, this I say this every day, really. But I was able to talk to Steve Okern today, right? So he's the vice right. chairman of you know the American Chamber of Commerce in Asia, and, and you're still buzzing from that
0: conversation. That was the first. That was seven in the morning, right?
1: That was really early this morning. <laughs> but the, besides, so besides the fact that. He was an extremely compelling speaker, super eloquent at a level that embarrassed me because I thought, oh, how am I going to keep up, keep up with this level of eloquence? <laughs> and I mean that seriously. Remember, he's not on the phone now, so it's not like I'm blowing smoke. Um, in the wrong place. But the point is that we talked about things that I hadn't considered, right? Venture philanthropy, a term that I had never heard before. Mm. And his view on what social impact investing is, what's your real impact? Again, it was just really it, – it just made me rethink the way that I was – you know, had conceptualized impact investing, but it wasn't the only thing, right? And that wasn't the only interview that we've done where I've had to rethink the way I've been conceptualizing certain concepts. We continue to get people like that. I feel every day is either just as good, if not better than the previous day, but learning those types of things again, is the whole point of doing this. Mm. And that is giving exposure, creating a platform where people can talk about things that are really compelling in Asia, right? He and I actually talked about TPP, so what is it, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, what it meant, what is a multilateral agreement between nations, or is it more important or is it less important than a bilateral agreement, right, I mean, there's no such thing as a unilateral agreement, but that this morning alone. Michael, put it into
0: context, put it into context, this guy isn't just a commentator on TPP, right? No,
1: well, no, I mean, he participated in the negotiations of TPP, and his career actually started in the White House you know right. back in the late 80s and early well actually in the 90s and that's insanely interesting to me right so again you know and again part of the reason for starting this was just to get to talk to the most interesting people in Asia and whether that's a startup or an investor like you said a one person startup a 1500 person startup or just an investor who's essentially like I like I said I spoke to Jeffrey Hanley today Jeffrey's family's from New Zealand, but he was born in Hong Kong. He lived most of his life in China. He started a business with his brothers back in New Zealand. They had ended up with somewhere between 15 and 20 offices for that. They had a trade sale and an exit that was interesting, but that they actually conceptualized themselves. Like all these things that you learn, I think, from a building the platform perspective you just you couldn't buy this information anywhere so the whole point right is to be able to take all the information and to be able to synthesize it down to these hour long conversations and then make sure that they're all compelling enough and interesting enough for other people to listen to
0: yeah is that enough simply to interview people for an hour you know and just find interesting people and interview them and just do that week in week out no or do do we have to think about there has to be a bigger purpose here. There has to be leading towards something. Because I'm thinking of people who may be listening to this and thinking, Yeah, I want to do something like that as well. You know, it, it's all very well just getting the content and sharing that, but
1: where is that going? Well you tell me, I mean, I again, what do you think? You've done a ton of these interviews as well, right? So mm-hmm. you and I have a weekly where we just go back and forth and we we talk to each other about things that we think are interesting. But one of the one of the interesting decisions that we made at the beginning of the stories was let's not interview people together because we kind of talked on top of each other and it wasn't creating sort of the best type of content or interaction but what do you think with the interviews that you've done as well like how do you see this either differently or the same that i see
0: yeah i mean i i see everybody that we're interviewing now as you know like these are our fans and, and building a fan base of people in the in asia right you know i'm completely focused like working hard with jenny so anybody that's Touched this podcast, has you know, has had some kind of interaction with Jenny, who's you know our tireless assistant production manager, you know, and trying to create the best possible experience because it's all very well creating a podcast, but I believe that everybody that comes on the podcast, in that build up to the podcast and after the podcast, it's so important to create an amazing experience, as you would, you know, if you're a retail company or you're an e-commerce company, you're completely focused on that experience. So that's what I think that we have to do is that have that experience at the forefront of what we're doing because it's so easy to do an interview and then it just drops off. You know, that's right. the end of that interview. you know, on to the next interview. Or it's so easy just to hit, you know, do the interview. That's the first interaction you have with that person. But if you can create an experience around that, you know, that sort of then turns it from being a one-off event to this ongoing relationship. Because I look at everybody that we do... A- podcast interview with is somebody that potentially we're building a long-term relationship with right this is really a beginning learn about them and it's a starting point create something with them because if you can create something with that person that never goes away you know it's not just like having a meeting and and you know interestingly you and I the genesis of our relationship was a podcast right you know in a different life exactly you know and, and this came out of that in a way so I see it in from that context. And I think you've got to have a system to support that, but you've got to have that mindset go into it thinking these are all potential relationships. You know, these should all be leading somewhere.
1: Right. But what does that mean? So if you're creating sort of a group of connected relationships, for lack of a better word, I mean, one of the things we are also trying to do is just create a community of interested people. Mm. Right. So the big question for me going forward is how do you keep that community vibrant? Right. In other words, what do we do after we interview somebody? What do we do after we produce a podcast to keep that community sort of cogent and coherent and keep everybody together where actually everybody becomes a resource for everybody else, right? We talked earlier about the five other people that are doing podcasts and how we're gonna cross reference them and sort of cross podcast on each one of theirs so they come onto ours, we go on to theirs and how that helps build that community. But once that's done, you know how do we go out and build that community to a point where everybody it's it's sort of self-feeding right Mm. and it feeds off itself in other words for every hundred people that we podcast with they must know a hundred people i don't like the term necessarily virality but then how do we get all those people to listen to us and sort of support us and support the creation of that platform that then gives other people exposure so the more people that are on it and the more vibrant it is the more exposure is right they that the individual sort of people that we interview will, will get out of it and for me So the genesis of this whole idea was as an investor, right? How do we take the community of investments and even potential investments? We don't make every investment we see and we don't necessarily, you know, invest in every company, but how do we sort of promote, not promote necessarily, but how do we give those companies exposure outside their region, right? And it's sort of self-fulfilling in the sense that if you, if you see a good company, whether you invest in it or not, how do you get the rest of the world, the rest of the region, even the rest of your town to know about it? I think the best way to do that is to create a media platform to allow them to do it. And I think one of the discussions that you and I had early was, well, we live in a really unique time period where you know, 10, 15 years ago, not that long ago, it would literally cost a billion dollars to buy a bunch of <clears throat> existing media assets Right and a bunch of legacy systems whether it's really expensive television cameras or broadcasting rights in in any local or any region and today the barriers to entry are really just you know, they're de minimis Mm -hmm. a few laptops some microphones and just a really, really good idea and a super strong brain, right? and with that in hand we decided let's go out and build this thing and I think so far you know with very little marketing we haven't even talked about how you market a podcast we've really just talked about how we get people interested in it. I do think there's another level to get to right I mean what do you think about that like how do you get it to the next level how do you get more than just people that are listening to you naturally to listen to it and, and discover you
0: yeah that's the challenge isn't it that's where you have to sort of step outside it's, it's easy to get into what we're doing and just keep doing that and we could be doing this week in week out which is fine but if you want to take it to the next level what do you got to do and I think this is well I mean this is our I suppose we're, we're doubling down on our community and we're going to go out and do this tour and this is interesting because you know the podcast medium which we're doing virtually you know okay we've met some of these people before and we'll meet a number of these people afterwards on the tour but what we're deciding to do is go out and actually go to these places meet the people host live events in you know in these cities around southeast asia and i think you know i'm a great believer in offline as a as a real driver for online uh you know online sharing online content online marketing everything i think if you you just focus on the online stuff you can really miss out if you look at the you know, everybody talks about how successful Apple was as an example of, of a marketing case study. You know, what people kind of gloss over in that story is how important the offline element was that for, for Apple. You know, it's the retail store that made Apple. So I think for us, it's the same. We've just got to get out. We've got to get out and touch real people. And I don't know if it's the proper allergy, analogy, but I, I see this in the context of being a band or a rock group you know you've got you're you're doing great music you're you're putting together great albums but you you're you're really still at sort of the the early stages what do you do and what any good band or group would do is get out get on the bus and tour and do you know every single city every single state And, and you know even in this day and age with all the digital assets that the labels have that's what they're you know rock groups are still doing they still have to go out there and touch people's lives in the analog world. So I feel, you know, I think we've got to double down on that.
1: I agree. I mean, this is one of the innovations of our podcast, and that is we can, you know, you're in, you're in Japan and I'm in Thailand, right? And we can sit here and very easily just continue to go on and do it like this. But I think what we're finding is there's a really big interest in getting us to get out of our chairs and leave our comfort zones and go to places that we've talked about, right? We, we did this, right? So on the, on the Asia Tech podcast, you and I were just discussing, what makes a great startup city? Yeah, and we actually did two episodes on it. And then we said to ourselves, while we were broadcasting, I think, wait a second, we can <laughs> pontificate, but we really did that, right? We can. Is that and... how it happened? I don't remember now. I don't remember. I think I think either you said it or I said it, or we kind of said it together, which is generally how things work with us. And that was, wait a second. You know, I've been to Singapore before. I've been to Fukuoka. Where else? I've been to Jakarta. I haven't. Been, I've been in Vietnam, but I haven't been in Ho Chi Minh in 20 years, right? So it's important for me to go there. Um, you know, and I've I've been in other Asian cities. The only place I've never been that's on the list is um, is Yangon. So that should be fascinating. But I think we were just having a discussion. We said, wait a second. We can guess what makes a great startup city, or we can just go to that city and ask the people that are there directly, in a group or individually, and say, what makes a great startup city you tell us hmm. and then you know accumulate all that information and then we go out again and we talk about it from that city live i don't think any other podcast has done that and not and i think that's true actually globally is that fair to say in other words yeah, what's I your favorite podcast i've got a bunch of them right
0: yeah yeah i mean i um, the, the podcasts i've mentioned already you know i actively listen to and i think are great and i have a lot of interest outside of tech as well i mean i, mm. I love listening to people who. You know, obviously, have, have little connection to tech as well. I mean, I listened to, just today, I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan, you know, he produces like these three-hour epics, which just go around the houses and talk about all different kinds of things. And, you know, it's a hit or miss. But I think it goes back to that point about the reason why people, and he has a huge following. You've never you know, even
1: heard of him, really?
0: Yeah, exactly. He, he, I think he was an ex-MMA guy, an ex-mixed martial artist, a you know, fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's doing these podcasts and he's talking about everything from you know politics to society and everything. He has all different kinds of guests on there. But the reason why I think it's so popular is people want people to go really deep and really long and not be contained by this short, you know, like this narrow band medium that that we live that we live in this world that we live in where you've got a short attention span and so on. So that was really right. interesting, you know, and if you can go back, I'll listen to Howard Stern. Cause I think, you know, for me, his like mic technique is amazing. I think, you know, he's done some ridiculous stuff in his time, but when he actually does interview people, I don't think there's anybody that could interview people as well as him. You know, when he's on a good subject and he doesn't have all the weirdos in the, the studio, which seems to he,
1: he is attracted over the years, seems to have a lot of weirdos. There's a lot of the weirdos. I don't know that.
0: but as an interviewer, he is just amazing. I think he's got it, you know. So, I love listening to those guys because I love people who can really get deep down. And, and you talked about it earlier the hook could find that human right. angle, whether it's talking to somebody who you know is a politician or somebody in technology, it's all about human stories, right? What about it yourself? Which, which ones do you listen to? <clears throat>
1: Oh, I mean, to me, it's like all tech, right? So that's it's because <laughs> your, your interests actually diverge quite a bit from mine, whether it's the Iron Man, Iron Man things that you do or just all the survival things and, you know, how to run a small business and succeed, how to retire before you're 40 years old, all that kind of stuff, right? For me, it's all finance and tech, and it's all it's the things that I've always been interested in. I like listening <clears throat> to the talk show with John Gruber, which is just, mm-hmm. as he calls it, the director's cut for the Daring Fireball side, right? I listened to a podcast that uh, Marco Arment is on, and Marco's one of the original guys. He was actually the original employee at Tumblr, so he wrote a lot of the original code on the Tumblr site where he was working with the founder. whose last name, I can't remember, but first name is David something. I right? was bought by Yahoo. Um, John Syracuse does something called Hypercritical, which I used to listen to, and now he works with Marco Arment on the podcast. But you know, he has a really unique per perspective on all things tech and again super detailed so maybe i just talk my own position right Mm -hmm. but i love listening to that kind of stuff it also gives me ideas it also gives me a perspective on what i talk to and you know obviously i love listening to um this in startups right it's something that's really close close to me i mean i do i talk about it a lot offline and i should talk about it online as well right the stuff that you know jason Calacanis and his team does not just because of the fact that they've made some insanely great investments but the guests or the guests that they have on their show are really compelling for me. I learn a lot, right? And one of the things that I've been able to do is connect to some of those guests. I actually did this last night, right? So I heard one of the guests <clears throat> talk about their business. It's called Genius Link. And what Genius Link does is Genius Link takes a lot of the backlinks that are on your thing and they they use it as a marketing tool. They also take all of the information that that backlink gives you and then they feed it back to you. Any information they can get from something that someone's linked to you, right, they'll go and they'll get that information and they'll share it at cost, right, to some of the startups and also some of the e-commerce sites. It's a really interesting business. And what I did was I actually reached out after listening um, to that podcast. I reached out to the founder of that company. I connected to him. And I, in the end, ended up connecting him because my view on this is in reverse. And this is, again, one of the reasons and one of the ways to grow this and why we're trying to grow it is how can we connect what's going on in the United States and in Europe, to what's going on in Asia. yeah. And, and my first conversation with him went something like this. So I see that you're growing really quickly in the United States. Have you considered you know, the fact that there are 630 million people in Southeast Asia? And his first answer was, yeah, I'm just going to focus on the, the U.S. first. And he caught himself in the middle and said, how many people again? Yeah. Again, when you're in a vortex, right, you really don't – you lose sight of what's going on around you. And again, just to get back to it, that's the point of doing this, of building this platform is – to remove people from the vortex. And I want to do it both ways, and I think you do too, and that is to not just give exposure to people in this region, to outside the region, but to give people outside the region exposure into here. And once you have that platform, that platform can be used for some of the most powerful connectivity things you can imagine. And like I said, we interviewed, who, who was it you were mentioning before we started talking? Don Fan, right? So he runs Embe. Yeah. It's a baby site. And one of the largest sort of baby sites in the world, right? So how do you – Vietnam, In Vietnam, sorry. So somebody somebody sort of – you published that. Somebody listened to it. It's been one of our most listened to podcasts. One of my venture capital friends in the United States said to me, hey, I'd like to meet that person. And I connected them. That's the effectiveness and that's sort of what's going to lead to growth is that if people believe that they can learn things and be exposed to things to which they would not otherwise be exposed – they'll continue to listen. And I think that's part of what we talked about earlier about building the community, yeah, right? Yeah. So I guess it's a long-winded answer about how, what, what do I listen to. I listen to things that really interest me, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the tech is something that I've been doing, you know, really since I was in high school. And I used it all throughout my career, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs or whatever, at Citigroup as well. And people that know me from that, those other roles will, will corroborate that. But just fast forward to today, and that's the type of podcasting that I listen to, right? But also, and I think this is really important to note, I also listen to Bill Simmons, right? So Bill Simmons runs something that used to be called Grantland, and now he runs something called The Ringer. And what he figured out was that having a discussion – so writing an article is really cool. And Bill Simmons was really famous for writing very long form, 3,000, 4,000 word articles articles on sports, and he was famous for taking sports and putting it in the context of culture, you know, pop culture. But one of the things he realized was that you can actually have more of a conversation on a podcast than you can have in an article. I can Mm -hmm. quote people in written form, and the written form actually is never going to go away. It's really powerful when you're trying to make a very specific point, and in other cases as well. But what a podcast allows you to do is it's participatory right i get to ask you questions you get to ask me questions it's a conversation and then if people listen to that conversation we get feedback all the time i got feedback today from somebody in indonesia saying you should talk about this particular topic right yeah. so they loved that conversation that we had about amazon and mm-hmm. buying whole foods and they said okay well how about alibaba right buying lazada which we also had talked about but um alibaba also made a um a big investment in tokopedia so are they competing with themselves it's another marketplace like what do you think the significance of that is but i got that feedback today from somebody who listened and that's the whole point about growing this right is that how do you continue that conversation like you said offline because i got that feedback i mean obviously i got an email but it's not on the podcast yeah
0: Really interesting, Michael. There, there's a number of points you bring up there. I just want to sort of backtrack on some of those. That, you know, the whole thing about how do you appeal to the outside world, outside of Asia, and I think it's also dovetails nicely into the whole thing about you know creating the conversation because I, I want to bring in, to sort of answer this, there's a conversation that we had. It was one of the earlier podcasts that all three of us were on, which was with Ned Phillips. Yeah, That's, Ned,
1: that was a great one, actually.
0: Yeah, I, the reason why I bring that one up Is because in a way, you know, there's a point at which the podcast just went completely off on a a tangent talking. And the background here is is both Ned and Michael worked in tech and trading and the investment banking side of the world. And that's probably about as much as most people know about all of that. But then you guys just went off and started talking about, I don't know, dark pools and chai X or whatever <laughs> and all that stuff and it was like what was interesting about that i mean i could have literally you know i could have just sort of hung up and said right this is just way above my head but there is something isn't it when you you have two people really passionate about something really into something and they then start talking about it. it regardless of what the actual domain knowledge is or what the content is is that if somebody's passionate about something and there's a conversation going on that is attractive And I think that's kind of like going back to that conversation about how do you get outside world interested in Asia? I think the key is not necessarily to make ourselves, you know, to edit our content to be appealing to the outside world. It's just to be really passionate about the stories that we're focusing on, right? And just be, you know, be the best at trying to make those stories interesting and exciting and really getting deep down on those and rather than thinking oh will this appeal to these people or these people because they'll they'll come and they'll think wow this is really interesting these people are really into this they must be onto something right right right. so i think there's more kind of conversations like that that ned phillips ones and i'm still thinking i'm still looking at my notes and thinking what the hell were these guys
1: but but no, it was super, right? And remember, that whole conversation started with you guys talking about the triathlon in Hawaii and how do, you, how do you get into it, right? But, but remember, think about this. We talked about online to offline, right, or offline to online and how those things compare. Think about yourself being at a party with like 25 people. And you're standing there talking to your wife or to your girlfriend or to, you know, to your to your buddy and you look across the room and there are two people that are so engrossed in a conversation. Yeah. Okay. And they're very passionate. You look over and you'll stop your own conversation, look across the room and just think, I wonder what they're talking about. Exactly. And if you're actually really adventurous, you'll walk over and just try to listen in because it's just they're so passionate about it. And I think that's part of the point that you're trying to make is that you know you when you sign on to a podcast it's rare that it's just one person talking it's either one or two other you know two other people talking right so it's two or three people and if they're not into it mm-hmm. you'll just you'll just hit the pause button and you'll listen to something else
0: yeah that's that's difficult though isn't it i mean i think a lot of people are used to i don't know i'm trying to find the right words a corporate approach i mean podcasts are almost like pr to some people aren't they and you know like you would write a a press release, you know, 99% of press releases are just terrible because they're they're edited down to offend nobody, right? Right. right. They're they're meaningless. They're everything to everybody, not something to somebody. And that, that conversation with Ned Phillips, you know, half the people listening here today, you know, if they go back and listen to that conversation, it's not published yet, but it's out soon. You know, half of people think, you know, what what is going on here? I don't understand. <laughs> but half of right. people think, you know, this sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm into this. You know, some of them may have some kind of hook into investment banking. Some of them may just hang around because it's interesting. So I don't think you ever sort of approach from the angle of like, okay, well, maybe some people aren't interested in, in learning about trading systems and stuff like that. Therefore, maybe we just kind of avoid that subject and stick to the middle of the road. That's the problem, isn't it? That's the challenge that we face in all of this is that, you know, that's the temptation because when you want to get mass, you have to kind of edit yourself down a little bit. You know, so that's the, that's the challenge that we're facing. But I think we're doing all right so far. And, you know. Yeah, I think so. I mo- think so. And I maybe think that comes not down from not, not really caring about what people think about us.
1: <laughs> but it's also the idea that, you know, we talk about this a lot, like how much of this is actually scripted. Yeah. Well, none of it, really. We've got three you know, bullet kind of, points. <laughs> maybe, right? But what we do is we kind of pick a topic, something yeah. that interests you, something that interests me, or something that interests both of us, and we just kind of run with it. Yeah. And the idea is we can't talk about something with passion, which means we can't expose that passion to other people unless we really care about the topic at hand, right? I mean, look, how many <clears throat> how many episodes episodes did we do on women in tech? And it was only – It was only, you know, halfway through the first one where we said, there's not enough time to finish this. We have to do another one. And frankly, we could have done more. The reality is that we could do almost an entire vertical on it. I think that's one of the other realizations that we're having is that the more passionate we are about any individual topic, the more likely it is to branch out into its own vertical for, you know, I don't want to give away the store really, but I will say this, the conversation that I have with Jeffrey Hanley today convinced me that we need to spend a lot more time talking to him and about his vision and his thesis for the fund that he's, that he's starting. Mm. Right? Because there's a big idea around it, and that big idea requires more than an hour's worth of time. And I think we find that the best conversations we have lead us to think, wait a second, if we really want to build this into something larger and we want to build a real community and community support around it, it's those big overriding topics and themes that are really going to keep people interested. And that's one of the keys to growth, I think.
0: Hmm. Where do we go from here? Obviously, we've got the tour coming up starting this <clears throat> Saturday, this Sunday, right? We're off on the weekend. And if you haven't found out about the tour yet, if you're interested in meeting up in one of the cities that we'll be touring to in Asia, would be com slash tour. Where does it go from here? I mean, we're going to be on the road for... A, well, wow, the best part of six or seven weeks.
1: Yeah, what? I think it's about two months, right? Right. Where, where does it go from here? Here's where I think it goes. And I think it's pretty obvious based on the things we've already done and the things we've already accomplished. I think what ends up happening is we get <clears throat> people to get interested in those individual cities. And I don't think that interest dies. And like we said earlier, the reality is that The more we talk to each other and the more we talk to other people, the more we become like really focused on the topics that matter to us and that matter to others. And I think what happens is we go to those cities. We're going to be in Fukuoka first, right? And that's going to be an immersive exposure for us and also for people that listen to us about what the startup scene is like in, in, in Japan, right? And... You know, you live in Japan. I lived in Tokyo for years, and I also traveled. I basically drove the entire country. I like doing that. I mean, what most people don't know is that 20 years ago, I did the same thing in Thailand. So I drove from Bangkok without really any aids except a paper map from here all the way up to Chiang Mai, up to Chiang Rai, and then um, actually to the border of what was then called Burma, but what's now Myanmar, right? And I like doing that drive. And again, it's a metaphor for the tour that we're taking, right? Because unless you go through the entire country, you really don't get a sense for that country's differences. And what we're going to find out is that Fukuoka itself has a very different vibe than Tokyo has. Because of that, not just their desire to attract um, startups there, but their ability to do that, I think, will only be obvious once we get there. Right. And I think it also because you know, when you visit somebody's house, you become either super close or friends with them or they really despise you because they don't know what you're like, you know, what your behavior is gonna be like. I think part of the goal is also to go there and to meet friends Hmm. and to get those friends as supporters. And I think that visiting each one of those cities and then each one of those countries is gonna go a long way to helping to to grow this platform. Because getting back to verticals, it'll allow us to then say, not only do we think we know something about Fukuoka in Japan, but we've actually been there and we've built a rapport with the people that are there and they can help us going forward to continue to learn about those places. And I think that actual continuation of learning is what helps grow the platform as well. No?
0: Yeah. Which cities are you particularly looking forward to? Putting you on the spot a little bit here because, you know. No, not at all. Because we've got – let this quickly run through for the listeners. Where are we going? Fukuoka, then Shanghai, then is it yangon next myanmar or saigon saigon or ho chi minh city in vietnam yeah. yangon myanmar not necessarily in this order but more in or less this order bangkok um jakarta then probably singapore hong kong that order is obviously open to change but most of those we've been to before is there any particularly that you know you get excited about going to now of all of those cities, which one do you think would be the most interesting in terms of the learning experience? You're talking about as a learning experience going there and maybe having some of your expectations challenged. Cause it may have been a while since you've been there last time.
1: Yeah. So for me, Fukuoka is a secondary city in Japan. It may actually be, it's not third tier, but it's just definitely, a, you know, a secondary city. If you talk about, if you talk to foreigners, and you say, we're going to go do a podcast in Fukuoka, they may not even know what country it's in, right? So for me, no, but but I think it's a, and it's a fair commentary, right? and I think that's one of the reasons why the startup cafe, you know, Fukuoka Startup City, well, all these things become really important. So for me, it'll be the first time going back to Japan in a long time where there's like a super strong business reason to be there, and that business reason is different from the business reasons I've had in the past, right? As opposed to looking at this as, You know, how are large institutional investors going to perceive the investment of, you know, not just Tokyo itself, but Japanese companies and then Asian stock listed companies? The question for me is why is this not happening in Tokyo? And could it happen in Tokyo? But maybe not. So I have a view on why this is happening in Fukuoka. So that's really exciting to me. But let's move on a little bit because it's a great question. I was in Vietnam for the first and last time, okay, in. 1991 or 1992 i can't remember and remember back then americans were not allowed to directly travel because um relations between the united states of america and vietnam were not normalized since the fall of saigon in 1975 okay now i don't know exactly when that changed maybe it was the clinton no it couldn't have been clinton i don't know when that changed but even back then when i when i flew into saigon they couldn't stamp my passport they'd sort of um, stapled something in and they removed that stapled piece of paper when I left like I'd never been there before. <laughs> so, Well, you were actually, you
0: know, chronologically, you were closer to the fall of Saigon, right? Than you are
1: Than I today. am today, for sure. <laughs> exactly. Easily. Was that seven, 1975 to 1991? It was only 16 years. Is that right? 2016? Yeah. No, 16 years, yeah. So now, I'm about this, I'm like 26 years away from the last time that I was there. So it's it, that to me is going to be fascinating. There was no there was no chance that there was going to be startups there large tech companies there even american manufacturing there. the entire thing has changed right so the bit has completely flipped and like i said i haven't been there since so it's not like i have any relationship with it at all i do know tons of people that live there but like we said there's nothing like going there mm-hmm. to find out and yangon right like i could probably walk to myanmar in like five days if i did it fast <laughs> enough and I was once over the border, right? So I did, like I said, I drove to the... To that was the up Golden.
0: north. I was in the Triangle, yep.
1: right? Yep. It was, I drove to the Golden Triangle once, and that was in 1998. Um, and I stepped over the border. And to do that, I, I think I might have mentioned this on another podcast. Obviously not in Yangon, but just over the border. Gave my passport to a border guard, and I literally was the most scared I've been for 15 minutes. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure if that's more comment on me or a comment on Myanmar at the time, but it's probably a combination. It was of both. a different world, though.
0: But I mean, come on, completely. Wait. Yeah, I mean, it was a
1: military junta, wasn't it, when you went? Yeah, and it was like It was not a nice place, at least in my mind. I mean, again, my perception and reality are two completely different things. But to go back now, yeah. in the context of in the context of it being a startup city, I just cannot wait to go. Right, So places like Singapore and Hong Kong, I'm excited to go, but I've been there so often, not just in the past five years, but in the past 25 years. Uh, and I've been there in the context of startup cities as well. But I think now with the real goal of, you know, actually looking deeper into it, yeah. I'll learn something more. But really it's, you know, Ho Chi Minh or Saigon, Yangon and Fukuoka that really super excite me because there's just so much more for me to learn right. there.
0: These I are think- the real frontier markets, like the frontier cities, so to speak. I mean, especially yeah. when you talk about everybody talks about Myanmar, but to actually get in there now and to see what's happened, that's going to be really exciting.
1: Do you want to talk a little bit about Shanghai and why that happened? Because yeah. I think that's interesting, if nothing else. Like, yeah, we haven't mentioned it. The, no, not at all. And I think in the right. context of, you know, we said at the beginning of this, we we're going to talk about how do we grow the podcast? How do we grow the platform? You want to spend a little bit of time talking about what Shanghai actually means to us and why we're going?
0: Right. So we're off to Shanghai on the 4th of September, right? So that's two weeks' time. We're going there as the guests of our friends at Huawei, which is pretty much the biggest Chinese manufacturing company out there, right? So, you know, we're going there to, I suppose, we're, we're going there to learn about Huawei, and we're going there to, you know, get to know the people of Huawei better. We're going to be there for their big, connect event which is going to be on the 5th 6th and 7th right so that's and we're going there as asia tech podcast so they basically connected with us and said hey you know love what you do in asia tech podcast please come to our event you know we'd love to have you here and we'd love to have you here as a media partner to you know talk to our people as well so that's a really a stepping stone for us that's a step up from what we've been doing you know obviously that's the first time we're actually out there as a guest of a company like huawei but also it's the first time that we've really been invited to an event like that so that's that's a start you know we've consciously made the decision to go out and seek these things now but that's a, a starting point for us so i think that's a really interesting development because that will be one of many i suppose in the future you know that we could be attending
1: yeah i mean to be fair one of the things about creating great content and having great guests is that it gives us exposure into companies like Huawei and other large companies like this that want to have sort of modern coverage of their events. I mean, the the concept that they've introduced to us is that they have a group of people that they call key opinion leaders, KOLs, and they want you and me to be one of their or two of their key opinion leaders, and they don't have tons of them, right? I think 25 of them. I don't remember exactly what the number is, so I, I could be exaggerating that low to make myself feel better for sure. But the bottom line is that, for us at this stage of development in the life of our podcasting to be invited by Huawei to Shanghai to participate in one of their benchmark events, right? It's just really exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ways, again, it just proves the concept do good things, create great content, have great partners, and more partners will come and seek you out. And I think, you know, the team at Huawei has noticed and has been super helpful to us. And I think we'll continue. Hopefully, you know, if we don't do anything stupid, which we <laughs> haven't done so far, yeah. Um, I would you are about speaking your mind? No, not really, because you know, I think Walter Ryan right, has, you know, has told us, you know, come do what you've been doing. Really, um, help give us a little bit of exposure. But you know, we don't want to overdo anything. We really want you to see what we do and get a better <clears throat> get better exposure to what our company is like. When, what does Huawei spend on R and D every year? What is it $9, $10 dollars? I don't exactly. think most people know that. Exactly. Right. I mean, they're, they're a they back also, office
0: company, really, aren't they? they? They operate in the background. I mean, people know the brand, but really the business is behind the, the terminals. You know, that's where they make their money, right? All the enterprise side of things. So.
1: Well, they run, they run the pipes of the Chinese internet. Yeah. That's a big deal, right? And just to be, you know, I was joking with Jeffrey Hanley this morning, you know, one of the phrases you see on LinkedIn all the time is, you know, I'm honored and humbled in a context where there's no honor and no humility but the reality is the reality is that we are honored, actually. We're super happy to have been noticed by a company this large and to get invited to something like this. Again, you said, what am I excited about that we're going to be doing? I'm super excited about this. I could not be more excited about it, actually, because this is just the beginning of what hopefully for us will be a long-term relationship with the company of the statue of Huawei. Yeah. And to grow this thing in a way that's just exponential, right? So I think that's going to be really important.
0: And It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, without naming names, there's been a number of companies that have we're having conversations with or contacted us, and you would have thought that, you know, they have all this fixed lockdown. You know, these are these are media companies or large IT companies or consultancies right. who are talking to us and saying, "Hey, look, we love what you're doing. You know, is there any sort of way that we can have a bit of that?" in our network, right? Because they're not doing this stuff, right? I mean, they have no. PR, they have blogs, they have video, but they don't have anybody who has that long-form content, that bandwidth to go and really get deep down on these stories. And I think people are realizing it now because it seems to be people from the communication side of the world that are coming to us, right? Exactly. And saying, hey, you know, how do we have a piece of this, right? Because it's easy for them to say, right, okay, we could sponsor this YouTube channel. Or, you know, we can publish some blogs or we can do all that kind of stuff, but they don't have anything within their network on the podcast side of things. And that's really interesting because it's media companies that these conversations are, uh, you know, happening with, right? And I find that really fascinating because you would have thought that they had all that already.
1: Yeah, but they don't. And the good thing for us is, you know, as long as we sort of keep our heads down and keep creating great content and keep finding great partners – and also having great guests. I mean, we've been super lucky up until now, right? Yeah. Having great guests. And I think as long as that continues, the ability to grow this, I think, is, is kind of – it's ours to lose. I and mean, I think just like you mentioned earlier, right at the beginning of this broadcast, right, all of the partners and all the other podcasters, it's the, same, it's the same opportunity for them, right? Whether it's, <clears throat> you know, whether it's the China Focus podcast, the Disrupt Japan podcast, the J. Kim, all of them, right, all five of them that you mentioned earlier – the idea is we help each other grow and if there's a benefit to one of us, there should be a benefit to all of us because as you said at the beginning, the pie just keeps getting bigger. And the idea is to share the way that these things grow with everybody so that that pie does continue to get bigger and podcasts actually become more prominent in Asia and people have that outlet and that exposure and then a platform for which that, through which they can actually tell their stories
0: yeah fantastic and i, I love what you put it to lose you know that's uh i don't know maybe that will come back and bite me so when you say things like that and you say keep your head down i have a habit in my life of not keeping my head down i know you say it in the context of doing the work yeah but speaking my mind
1: oh uh, speaking your mind no problems i don't think anybody has a problem with that when i say you know so hubris right is really it's a powerful negative tool and a powerful negative influence on people and and i think that you know there are multiple stages to growth and at any particular stage you can get caught up in the fact that oh i had that really great thing happen to me but the idea is how did you get there and how can you not let that trip you up it's like it's you're never satisfied and that's what i mean when i say keep your head down you can say whatever you want really your opinion matters that's whole, the whole point of this is giving exposure to your opinion, to my opinion, to other people's opinions, that's part of the storytelling. Exactly. This is hard work, yeah?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's been really hard. And I think a bit of criticism as well is welcome. It means you're doing something right. Yeah. people are paying attention, you're putting an opinion out there, you're going to get people pushed back as well, which is, I suppose, a good sign. I mean, as with all of these, you know, whether you're growing a business or growing any kind of media entity, if nobody's, you know, the, the enemy isn't criticism, it's indifference, isn't it? That's the, the the media landscape we live in now. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, very interesting. Thanks for sharing your insights, Michael. Are we going to have a big surprise today, or we're we going to <laughs> no, save that? We're going to save it. The surprise is just watch out. The
1: surprises. We're still alive.
0: Yeah. The surprises. After all, I mean. Yeah. Do we want to tell them how many podcasts you did today? How many
1: interviews? Nah, no. No. Nope. Don't. But it was more than one. <laughs> less, than, <laughs> less. Less than ten. And less fewer than you did today. But again, it all evens out in the end. It um,
0: and it's all good as well. I mean, we, we had an interesting conversation about this. You always dread the first one, don't you? But when you get going, it's like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> when you have a really good podcast <laughs> interview, you feel totally energized. It's not work, is it, really?
1: No, it's not. It's, it seems like work. When you wake up in the morning, I think everybody yeah, has yeah, this. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, how am I going to get through this? But the reality is that it, it is energizing. I find it that way, and I can tell you find it the same way. It's like once you start going – you don't want to stop. Yeah. I had a few conversations today where I had to literally had to look at time and say, I don't want to end this, but I have to. Yeah. That happened a few times today, actually. So, and I think that it's, I think it's tantamount to the fact that we're just, we're very, been very lucky with the guests we've been able to attract. And I think it just keeps getting better. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got to end this. We're over the hour, Mark. Ah. Uh-huh there we go but we'll be back for more the next you know what you know where we're going to be next tuesday when we do our live exactly
1: wow i cannot wait i really can't wait like you talked about excitement the way i am right i'm an enthusiast if you can't tell that already (laughs) (laughs) um you remember in the comments michael talks too much but i'm enthusiastic about this and i'm trying to sort of yeah. Sort of damped down my excitement, but I'm really excited to be to, to go there and to do this. So yeah.
0: and I love it as well. I mean it's sort of taking life to the next level, isn't it? We we, we yeah. don't have all our audio strategy worked out. There's a lot of nope. questions, there's a lot of things we haven't tested. It's like doing a life gig, isn't it? We're going out there and <laughs> we've done a we've rehearsed, but you know, when we actually go and get out in front of the crowd, it's gonna be interesting. So it yeah. could go horribly wrong, but that's kind of what people enjoy, isn't it? They love that, that sort of moment where, you know, that's why the events part is so interesting. They love that moment where it could all go horribly wrong and we are going to be shot down in flames, but hey.
1: Hey, that's why you play, right? That's why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: The first bird gets all the arrows. That's us.
1: Fair enough. All right. Excellent. Asia tech awesome,
0: podcast, yeah. com. You can catch us on Twitter. Give us your feedback. Anything we talked about today, about the podcast, about the tour, you can tweet us at Asia Tech Pod. Or you can catch us on Facebook.com slash Asia Tech Podcast. And if you're not on the newsletter already, I recommend going to the AsiaTechpodcast.com website and signing up there because you'll get an update on the tour as well as getting a heads up on all the content that we publish before it goes live to the public. So you get that heads up first. And yeah, you can keep abreast of our journey and we look forward to sharing that journey with you as we grow and make a few mistakes along the way. My name's Graham Brown and joining me in the studio tonight is Michael Waits. Michael, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Graham.
0: And we'll see you all next week in Fukuoka.
1: Goodbye and good night. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.